Okay, well, tonight, today we're going to be um, going through a message kind of based on the hymn, O Holy Night, because that's my favorite Christmas song. Um, we're going to start out in John chapter 5, but we're going to be jumping around, or excuse me, John chapter 1. We're going to be jumping around just a little bit in God's Word, just going through a few things. To me, O Holy Night encapsulates the entire night of Christmas Eve. It talks about the meaning, the worship, and it talks about the human response that we should have to the incredible birth of Jesus. Jesus, he's our Lord, he's our God, he's our Savior, and he's our King. And we're going to explore this thought by looking at the opening line to this famous hymn, which is, O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. And as we gather on the morning before this sacred night, let us reflect on the profound message embedded in this timeless carol, a message that echoes through the ages and resonates deep within our soul. Let's first consider the world that Jesus was born into. The Bible gives us a glimpse into that world in the time that Jesus was born when you read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 5, that says, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The world that Jesus was born into was that of profound darkness. In many ways, it was marked by despair. It was marked by oppression. It was marked by hopelessness. Israel had been conquered yet again by another nation. Over the last few centuries, their, world, their role as the world superpower had come crashing down. First, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, and then the Babylonians conquered Assyria and, and lay waste to the southern kingdom of Judah. Then they get to come back to their land, but then the Ur Persian Empire springs up and conquers the Babylonians, again, taking control of that territory that was now Israel. Then, Alexander the Great, remember that name from school? He comes through, claiming that entire area for Greece. Then, 60 years before the birth of Jesus, the Roman Empire comes through and conquers that entire area, conquers the entire Western world, in fact, and setting up an empire that lasted for over a thousand years. The people that were living in this area had gone from pagan nation to another pagan nation to a worse pagan nation and back to another pagan nation. They were living in darkness. They were living in oppression. They were living essentially as second-class citizens, almost slaves to the Roman Empire. Think of the darkness that they faced. And then think that some of this can start to sound even familiar to us. Because we're starting to experience that in our world today. Evil is rampant. It's becoming more and more pervasive in our world. Yet, on this holiest of nights, we have the same hope that they did that the light will shine in the darkness, that the light will eventually come and shove all this darkness back to the hell that it came from. 
And we have this hope because God keeps his promises. And we're reminded of that during this time of year, that he said that he would send his son, and his son indeed came. And he also said that his son will return one day. And we have that to look forward to. That's why this night, this holy night, was a night like no other. In Luke 2, verse 8, it says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You know, one of the things about the Christmas story I love is that God chose the shepherds to be the first one to hear about Christ's birth. Think about that for a moment. Shepherds were the lowest class of people at this time in history. No one wanted to be around a shepherd, wanted to live near shepherds. They would be the people from the seedy side of town. They were the poorest of the poor, the smelliest of the smelly. They were just uncouth, largely unmannered. They were the kind of people that the good church people just didn't go around. The fact that they are the first ones to hear of Jesus' birth shows us there is no favoritism in the kingdom of heaven. The fact that God chose the shepherds to be the first to hear of his son's birth shows us the fullness of the gospel message. That no matter who you are, what race you are, what gender you're born with, or if you're rich or poor, slave or free, the same gospel message and offer of salvation is open, is just as open to them as it is to anyone else. Amen. On this holy night, God proclaimed that all people, all people, are precious in his sight. And this message of salvation was for all people, regardless of what society might think of them. So I would ask you to remember that before you judge someone as not worthy of your time, not worthy of your love, or not worthy of your compassion, or not worthy of your mercy. Because I think the greatest surprise many of us will face when we pass through heaven's doors is who will be there, and then who won't. After all, on this holy night, God didn't go to the religious elite to announce his birth. He didn't go to Caesar in Rome or Herod in Judah. He didn't even go to the local synagogue leaders. In fact, he didn't tell the church board. The modern way of saying it is God went to the hood and told the people on the wrong side of the tracks the amazing news that Christ the Savior had been born. Maybe because the people on the down and out would be the ones to give them the honest, true worship. This holy night also shows us a divine intervention. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
The birth of Jesus is not just a coincidence. It was a divine intervention in the history of humanity. It's a testament of God's unfathomable love for humanity. In a world that was, was marred by sin and separation, God sent his only son to bridge that gap and reconcile us to himself. And this wasn't just for the world of first century Palestine. It was for us today as well. I mean, our world isn't very different than the one Jesus was born into. I mean, we have some technology that they didn't have. But do we have an understanding of what is really important? Do we have a better eternal perspective about the way we live? No, if anything, our technology has blinded us to what is really important. Our world has shrunk to this little five-inch screen that we stare at all day. And that is why God sent us a wonderful counselor to teach us what's important. I know many of us are growing increasingly fearful for the future because of the, the evil that is sweeping our nation and our planet. Some of us might even be losing sleep, worrying about the wickedness that is rising at breathtaking speed. It seems like we just stepped off the plank and entered bizarro world all of a sudden. It seems like we're standing at a seashore watching a mile-high tidal wave roaring at us, and we have nowhere left to run. But you know what? That's why Jesus came as a mighty God, Amen. to stand against that wave that is coming against us. Jesus gathers his people into his arms so we know we will be eternally protected against the enemy's attack. But even more than that, the Bible warns us that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Jesus said that. All this evil, all this rewriting of morality, and the crucifixion of common sense and decency is a result of an injection of fear from the kingdom of darkness into our, our world. And what is fear? False evidence appearing real, right? He tries to, to twist our brain around another truth. But it's nothing but a smokescreen and mirrors. And that is why the Prince of Peace has come, to save those who would trust in him, to give them everlasting peace, that shalom of God. And that is why on this holy night, Jesus became a light for all of us. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am a, the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. The significance of O Holy Night is not merely in the birth of Christ, but in the invitation that he extends to each one of us to embrace his light, to walk the path of righteousness, and to experience the transformative power of his love. In this last week, there was some unfortunate news on TV about another Christian denomination that's inching 
toward changing its historical teaching about the sanctity and even definition of what a marriage is. And with all the media, most of our schools or universities, even some of our employers, and unfortunately, some of our dearest friends and family, they're starting to give in to the lie. They're starting to say, let's just to get along to get along. The pressure to conform to the ways of this world is growing increasingly intense and difficult to stand against. During this time when it seems that darkness is winning, Jesus reminds us he is that light. Whenever the darkness grows around you, speak Jesus to it. One of my new favorite songs is a song by Charity Gale. She says, just keep speaking Jesus to, to whatever the problem is. Just say Jesus. Whenever that pressure builds for you to compromise, just say Jesus. Bring his light to it. Whenever the world threatens you, hates you, or reviles you for Jesus' sake, remember you are blessed in his sight. Speak his name. Stand firm for him. Stand firm for his truth. And the Bible promises that the darkness will never triumph against his mighty name. And it will never triumph against the light that he brings. On this holy night, God calls us to a time of reflection and renewal. As we immerse ourselves in the Christmas season, let's not merely be listeners, but remember that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of this divine narrative. You are part of this plan that he has for this planet. God did not call us out of darkness to sit. He called us out of darkness to serve. Your eternal life doesn't begin when you take your last breath. It began when you gave your life to Jesus. The church is not supposed to be a monument to the past. It is supposed to be a hospital for the sin sick. A hospital that takes the sinner, introduces them to Jesus, lets his blood wash away their sins and make them a saint that serves in the kingdom. When Jesus said he goes to prepare a place for us, he wasn't just talking about a mansion to rest in for eternity. He's talking about a position in his kingdom that you get to serve him in. He promises that we will reign and rule with him forever. And that preparation for that position and that reigning and ruling begins right now. So let the message of Christmas penetrate our hearts. Let it prompt us to be introspective, to look inside, to allow the Holy Spirit to do an inventory. Maybe repent of a few things and recommit our lives to him who gave himself for us. And if we do that, we can share in the eternal promise. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
The birth of Jesus was the dawn of a new beginning, a promise of eternal life for all who believe. And as we celebrate Christmas, let us be reminded of this eternal promise, a promise that, that transcends the temporal, the temporal and allows us to hope beyond the confines of this life and of this world. The promise that this holy night brings us is a call to humility. It's a call to reverence. It's a call to surrender anew. These promises that God places within his word are meant to make us into the image of Christ. And as we stand on the threshold of another Christmas, let us ask God, give us the heart of a child again. That's my prayer every Christmas. Lord God, let me see Christmas like a child. Let us approach the manger with awe and wonder, recognizing the profound significance that this holy night gives us. When heaven touched earth and eternity intersected with time. And as we marvel again at the eternal God becoming a baby, let us respond as the hymn tells us to fall on our knees, to hear the angel voices.